0: Marie, philosopher, entrepreneur with almost 10 years of career and business mentoring under my belt. My purpose in life? World peace, of course, but in a slightly humbler fashion, helping people to say fuck it it." and free themselves from the stuff that keeps them from living fully. Get unstuck. Get unstuck. You know that feeling when the voice in your head never shuts up? When it only says negative things and works out doomsday scenarios about everything that can and will go wrong in your life? Or at work or during, I don't know, the birthday party of that coworker that you kind of like and that you have to go to next week and are already stressing out about? Maybe it's not doomsday scenarios swirling around in your mind. You know, maybe you're just an eternal doubter. So as soon as you've made a decision, the little voice in your head starts rattling on about all the things that you're going to lose by choosing. Asking yourself if you're sure of whatever it is you decided, like, should you really go to Venice for a week instead of to Croatia? Because surely, it's probably going to be cheaper and warmer. Or maybe that voice is mostly concerned with everything that is wrong with you. And likes to list your flaws, especially after you've done something. Like when you had a nice conversation with the neighbor, for instance. As soon as that conversation is over, the voice starts pointing out all of the things you said that were wrong or wonders about the strange look that you saw on the neighbor's face and thinks surely you must have done something to make him or her look at you like that. Now, if you're anything like I used to be, chances are, That fears are holding you back from moving forward. They're keeping you stuck in a place that you don't really want to be. In a job you hate, maybe in a relationship that no longer serves you. Living next door to a neighbor right, who won't tolerate a sound and has been making your life miserable for years. In a life that's perhaps become too small for you, but that you don't know how to step out of, out of fear of not being good enough out of fear that it won't work out, and especially because you're afraid of what other people might think and say of you. If you recognize yourself in what I just said, then this episode is for you, because today I want to talk about how to overcome your fears and anxiety and the important role that reprogramming your nervous system plays in doing so. I'll start by sharing a little bit about my own story. So if you knew me, like let's say 10 years ago, when you saw me, you would have thought that I did all together. I was building a business, I was driven, I didn't shy away from a professional or personal challenge. But the truth is, I really wasn't happy. On the outside, everything seemed okay. But on the inside, I was really miserable. And without realizing it, I was afraid of everything. I was a people pleaser. I was a perfectionist. I did everything I could not to make the people around me angry. I never really said what I thought because of that. And I acted based on what I thought I should do and not on what I really wanted. The thing is that because I'd done that for so long... By the time I realized that I was doing it, I actually didn't know what it was that I really wanted anymore because I'd been so focused on the needs of others for so long. Now, that's a little bit of how I behaved, right? In day-to-day life, in my work. But then there were my thoughts. If you'd had been inside my head at the time, you'd have heard nothing And I mean nothing but negative self-talk and criticism about everything and everyone, but especially about myself and all of my shortcomings. Because the voice in my head, she was so critical. She was horrible, really. Nothing about me was right. Nothing I did was ever good enough. And as a result, I lived under this constant stress and anxiety with cortisol levels, hormone stress levels, like literally going through the roof. It was never silent in my mind, like the anxiety that I experienced now, you know, that I'm so many years later when I think back on it, I don't even know how I was able to survive it. It was absolutely constant. Whatever I had to do, wherever I was going, anxiety was there from the moment I woke up until the moment I went to bed. I remember so many examples and experiences where, because of that, I really didn't enjoy what I was doing because I was so much into my head and listening and believing what the voice was saying. So, for instance, one time when I was... Um, invited to a friend's wedding, I really didn't want to go because um, I knew beforehand that I would be stressing and that I would be anxious. But my partner at the time wouldn't take no for an answer. And, you know, it's true that when you're always anxious, social occasions are a reason to panic even more and fret in advance. But that's not something that the people around you will understand or will enjoy so it of course I understand that my partner at the time would go no of course we're going because if you're not anxious the way I was you don't feel the pain and you don't feel the agony of having to go to these things so anyway all evening I had really tried to find my self-confidence and mostly in the at the bottom of a glass of wine Um, not that I was you know. Drinking too much, but just like, I, I really was just looking for a way to not feel so stressed and anxious. And everybody looks for coping mechanisms, right? So I sat at a table with seven people I didn't know other than my then partner. And I did my best to have a conversation with the people sitting next to me left and right. But I'd been so stressed beforehand that I was just this one big anxious mess To me, the whole evening felt awkward. I was super nervous and insecure. And I have really good memory, but I can't remember anything of the stuff that I told um, these people that night. And that's not because of the alcohol, just to be clear. (laughs) Um, But then a few weeks later, when I saw my friend again, He told me, you know, how everyone was impressed by me and liked me and how cool they thought I was, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, what? (laughs) Was I on the same planet? Did that really happen? And that's what an anxious and stressed out mind will do to you, right? So all of this to say that one of the consequences of going through life so anxious and so worried is that you think you're never good enough because of the feelings in your inner world but in reality what you feel isn't true at all and people usually perceive you completely differently than the image you think you are bringing you know to people. Now it's been more than a decade since that wedding party and also since my journey of self-development began and I'm happy really happy to report that it's now pretty quiet and calm in my head. Sometimes I will still become a little bit stressed out or anxious, especially when I have a lot of obligations come together, when there is an important deadline, when I have to to record podcast episodes for the first time, or, you know, when I experience something negative in my life, like somebody treating me badly or being mean to me for no good reason or me not understanding, you know, a particular behavior or things like that. But even those experiences don't keep me worried for very long anymore. When before, sometimes, especially when, you know, other people were involved and and something negative happened, like a fight or anything, I would like stay with that for months. And I would get up in the morning and I would immediately start thinking about it. And then I would go to bed at night. It would be my last thought. So that's really not happening anymore. And how that amazing change from being so anxious and stressed to being pretty quiet and calm is something that I'm going to start sharing today. Now, there's a lot of different aspects to it. Um, and and a lot of things that play into feeling anxious and, and I'm going to talk about those later in, in this podcast as well. But for now, um, I want to stress that I think that, you know, being anxious like that is mainly due to our nervous system in combinations with our beliefs and thoughts. And that below many anxious and stressful thoughts, there is actually fear. So that's that's what I want to talk about right now. Just, just to clarify what I think is the most important piece. So now fear um, is an evolutionary phenomenon. And it's something really cool when you think about it, right? Our brains have evolved to see and remember danger. And the reasons they've evolved this way is that long ago when humanity and, you know, us people were just emerging and we were roaming the plains of the savannah and we were super happy looking for food and, you know, whatever. Having a quick fight or flight response to a moving branch or a wild animal somewhere in the distance could really mean the difference between life and death. Now, if we know that to be a fact and it's, it's a sound fact, isn't it, right? The faster you are, the, the easier it will be for you to escape danger. Um, and if you follow Darwin's theory about the natural selection and evolution of species, you can conclude that only the ancestors, our ancestors, with the fastest fear reflexes, so to speak, survived. Now, this sensitivity, this sensitivity to... Um, changes in your environment, which you could translate to fear, is the legacy that these survivors passed on to their children and then ultimately to us. And this is precisely where the problem is because what was once an incredibly useful tool for survival is really struggling to adapt to a completely changed world and a world that keeps on changing faster and faster and faster. So our brains and nervous system are still on high alert and ready to respond to any life-threatening stimuli and dangers in our surroundings. Only there aren't that many dangers left, at least not in the shape or the form that they used to come in. But because a lot of our modern issues, our lifestyle, the pressure to perform at work, to be successful, wanting to keep up with the Joneses, you know, money, the thoughts of potentially losing it, are all things that cause stress and that therefore our brain can respond to as if it were danger. We're really still experiencing a lot of that fight or flight response, so what I mean by that is that, you know, you can take the person out of the savanna, but you can't really take the savanna or the f- fight or flight response out of the person. As we evolved as humans, we gained two extra brains, let's say, or parts of our brain. So we started with the reptilian brain, which is the oldest one, and that's the part that responds best to danger. But then there is also the new or newer Uh, limbic system which is our emotional brain and then of course there's the neocortex or our rational brain and it's really amazing that evolution has equipped us with all these three wonderful brain parts they make us agile they make us sensitive and they make us smart all at the same time but the problem is that the communication between these amazing parts is not always as smooth as it could be The reptilian brain, for instance, will naturally stay on the lookout for danger and its reactions, whether it's, (laughs) I don't know, like a hyena or a tiger running after you, or it's your mother-in-law calling. (laughs) I'm sorry for all the mother-in-laws. are of the, you know, act first, think later kind. But the neocortex, on the other hand, is the part of the brain that helps us make sense of the world. So that part looks for structure, systems, to organize our thoughts and our feelings. And so here lies the problem. Because when the reptilian brain senses danger, the neocortex wants to understand what the danger is or where it's coming from. So whenever there is a physical trigger let's say stress, let's say sweaty palms because you have to go on stage and deliver a talk, let's say your heart beating faster because you're going to meet someone that's really important to you. The neocortex wants to find an explanation for it. And in that translation, a lot is lost or there is a lot of miscommunication. So as I mentioned, maybe your heart rate goes up. And you start sweating a little bit because someone just made a comment about you because you will soon have, I don't know, a meeting with your toxic boss who never lets you speak or because you want to go on a vacation with your wealthier friends but you don't have the money for it and you don't really know how to tell them and, you know, you feel a little bit icky about it or you have to submit a report to your manager but you're afraid it won't be perfect, you know. In all of these cases, our reptilian brain and nervous system are going to react immediately to our body's stress response. Now, the response can and often will be misinterpreted by the neocortex and after a while that even becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. And it doesn't even need to be negative experiences that cause a fight or flight response. If you start sweating and get a little excited when you have to go on stage to deliver a speech or when you're, I don't know, about to have a date with someone you really like, your neocortex might interpret your somatic like bodily responses in the same way as a potential sign of danger. See how tricky it is? Anyway, there's so much more to this. This is just high level touching a little bit on the subject. But I think it's important because I, at least for a very, very long time, didn't realize that there might be misinterpretation in the way that my brain would interpret what the signals that my body were giving off. And so I was in a constant state of fight or flight. And it was a really difficult way of being. As long as you act on that sense of danger, you will continue to get and stay stuck. Now, one of my favorite quotes, and by now also a motto of mine, is this. You can't think yourself out of anything. Eventually, you have to go out and do it. You also can't get really good at something, except except maybe for worrying and overthinking, right? Um, Just by thinking about it. Because everything takes practice, more practice and patience. Now, the same is true for your nervous system. You can think all you want about how you're going to set that boundary against that coworker, but until you actually do it and convince your nervous system that you're not going to die, that no, it's not going to kill you to set a boundary, you'll continue to avoid doing it out of fear. And that's precisely what we have to stop doing if we want to get unstuck and if we going to want to move forward with our lives. A really cool example of this is that of Nora an incredibly young woman who came to me because she was so anxious to talk to other people that she lost her voice at every job interview. She had two amazing degrees in her pocket, but when she was sitting in front of people asking questions about the stuff she knew, she, knew she wouldn't be able to recollect anything and she would just freeze, right? Now, throughout her coaching journey with me, Nora has actively sought ways to expose herself and especially her nervous system to the things that she was afraid of. She took on every experience that I gave her, every idea, and she didn't shy away from any experiments, as I like to call them, that I gave her. So what did she do? Well, one week she had to strike up a conversation every day with someone that she didn't know. Then another week, she had to ask a difficult question um, to someone in the supermarket. I really love the supermarket, right? When you're in line waiting for your turn at the cashier, that's a perfect time to actually practice not being afraid to speak to other people or practice anything that involves other people, right? It's like touch, it's not dangerous and you can really do a lot of things there. So that's a really cool uh, place to, like a laboratorium, you know, where you can experiment and try things out. Anyway, and another week, um, I had her address a group of at least three people that she didn't know and that she had to ask a question to. Now, step by step, through the work we did together, I saw how Nora took on the challenge of really reprogramming her nervous system to increase her comfort zone and reduce her fears about speaking to strangers. And in the end, she succeeded so well that when I asked her to address a completely packed room at the launch of my first book, she said yes. And her speech was absolutely fantastic. She looked amazing delivering it and her confidence was through the roof. And now whenever I I see her and I see what she's doing, she landed this amazing job and she's doing such cool things. And like she's nothing of the person that she was when I first met her. She's even working on her own business. So really, really inspiring and incredible stuff. In my own life, I've been consciously working for years at eliminating my fears and anxieties this way. And that's why I know it works. It takes time. I'm I'm not going to lie about that. You know, it's like eating an elephant, as I often tell my clients. And this is just an example. I really love elephants and I don't want anyone to eat any elephants. But imagine that you would have to, right? You wouldn't do it all at once. You would do it bit by bit. It's exactly the same with overcoming your fears and anxieties. Every step you take works in exactly the same way. It helps a little bit until one day you're not afraid of something anymore. And that day it's become part of your comfort zone. I believe in these experiments so much that at the end of each episode of this podcast, I'll give you a fuck it, let's do it experiment that you can try out for the week. And I also really want you to let me know how it goes. So be sure to email me at Muriel at MurielMarie.com or to share on Instagram at MurielMarie. Now, because we live in a world that imposes all kinds of things on us and demands so much from us, every week I'm also going to give you a small act of resistance, a little act of daily rebellion, as I like to call them that you can take with you and that you can practice if you feel like it. So nothing that I share here are things you have to do. Just feel into whether or not it could be fun, interesting, something you would like to try. And if so, I want to invite to take them with you and do something with them so that you can start living a little bit less for other people and a little bit more for yourself. Because honestly, let's face it, we all do that way too much, don't you think so? I really think we do. I think we spend so much time thinking and worrying and wondering about what other people are thinking of us and whether or not you know, they like us and whether or not we're doing things the right way that we have very little time and space left to think about what we really want and what could make us really happy. And so that's one of the things that I want to try and do with this podcast is to make sure that you have a little bit more of that really good, wonderful feeling of taking care of yourself and doing things for yourself rather than for other people. Okay, that's it for this first episode, (laughs) or almost, I mean, I don't know, did I do a good job? I'm not sure. Well, you know, please let me know, like comment on the podcast, share, whatever, send me a mail, Um, send me a DM on Instagram, I'd love to know. But before I go, here's, of course, the fuck it, let's do it experiment of the week. So today, as you go by your day, I want you to listen very carefully to your internal monologue, to your thoughts. And I want you to find something, focus on something that the voice inside your head is saying that sounds negative about yourself. Could be anything, right? Depending on your situation. Um, some, Some of the ones that I hear regularly and that I used to be plagued by are, you could never do that. Uh, you'll never be good enough, everybody's laughing at you. Uh, some that my clients share with me on a regular basis are you're not um, athletic for people who want to, you know, start with sports or you're always late or you're always procrastinating or you can't finish anything. There is enough of them, I'm sure. So let your intuition guide you in choosing One negative statement that you know is not helpful. This week, I'm choosing my book sucks. It's really so horrible to say, but lately, as I've been working on the last chapter of my new book, what's been happening is that I've been adding additional information, little chapters and all of that, while in fact, the book is almost finished. And this thought has been bothering me a lot and causing me anxiety while I'm doing that, while I'm finishing the book. And I know it's just nerves, but it keeps popping back up into my mind. And, um, and I really feel how it's holding me back from communicating more about my book, from, you know, really like finalizing it, from doing all of the things that I know I should be doing at this point with this book. So that's what I'm going to be doing. Now, once you've chosen your statement, I want you to think of one small step that can convince your nervous system that no, this is not a true statement, for one, and two, that you're not in danger. For me, um, so my step is going to be sharing the first chapter of my book with at least three people. And asking them for feedback. And I am so terrified of that. And I know I shouldn't be because I've shared little pieces of it yet. And people are really positive and they resonate with it. But still, it's so scary. So that's what I'm going to be doing. And I am really excited about, you know, what you're going to be doing. So um, if you feel like sharing your experiment with me or if you're not sure what a good experiment might be for you, don't hesitate to email me at Muriel at I get a lot of emails, but I'm really going to try and answer everyone. And I'm also always trying to answer as soon as I can. So bear with me if you don't get an answer immediately. But um, I will definitely get back to you. Now, one more thing. Of course, before we end, this week's small act of rebellion, if you feel like taking the challenge on, is to ask more questions. I know it sounds simple, but it's not that simple, believe me. When someone says something that you don't understand in a meeting, you know, with colleagues, at home, whatever, doesn't matter. When you don't agree with what someone is saying, Or when you question, you know, what is happening, what somebody is doing, just ask questions with friends, in a meeting, even to yourself when you're thinking of something and then wondering if what you're thinking is actually true. Dare to question what is being said Of course, with respect to other people's opinions and in settings that are safe for you, that goes without saying, but not safe in the way that your nervous system thinks it's safe. Safe in the way that if you say something and speak up, you're not in danger, right? Which is most situations, then just speak up and see what happens. Okay, that's it for today. Thank you so much for listening. Have fun with your experiment and with your act of rebellion. And I will talk to you next week. Bye.